0: Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine Leperriere, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're gonna gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're gonna hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged and really inspired you. We wanna hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you wanna hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. Welcome back to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine Lapierre, and with me today, I have on Omnia Helba. Thank you, Omnia, for joining me. Thanks for having me, Christine. So, really quick before we get started, just give a 30-second introduction, Omnia, so everybody knows who you are.
1: Sure. My name is Omnia Helba, and I have worked in talent and organizational development for the last approximately 15 years. I'm currently with the Ministry of Attorney General and leading a high-performing team focused on all things people-centered.
0: And I was so glad to invite you onto the show because we had the opportunity to work together on diversity, inclusion, and equity at Sobeys. And so we actually got a chance to do some great work there together, and I genuinely enjoyed working with you. So it was great to reach out and invite you onto the show. Thank you. I'm going to just dive in. Who
1: is your best boss ever and why? Tell us. Okay. So I'm going to tackle this one a little bit differently, Christine, because I've had a lot of really great bosses and I have to really talk about what the theme has been throughout my entire career. And I'll say that the best bosses I've had have just had this unwavering trust in me and in my ability before I did truthfully. So they're the ones who really saw my potential and trusted me to bring it out early on in my career when quite frankly, I probably wasn't actually that confident. So when I think about my very first real job opportunity after completing my master's it was at the YWCA with a great woman named Denise Doyle who just loves to empower women and I was so nervous I'd never facilitated anything before and I was about to facilitate something to the leadership team and she said to me you know what Omnia you've never done this before she said I know that and you know that but no one else knows that and she was like so just go out there and pretend you've done this a hundred times And it's exactly what I did. And nobody could tell. And it was just, it was so empowering. Like it was just in, you know, you're fresh out of school, 23 years old. And it was just such an awesome experience. And that's been the theme throughout my career. And I would say, like, I'm happy to share more examples, but I would say that that was kind of the the first opportunity I had to see what it was like to really have a great boss. So what did that do for your confidence? It skyrocketed. Like Christine, she, that's what I was saying. She believed in me before I believed in myself. And I just think that, that to me spoke volumes about the impact a leader can have on their employee. You really are in a position where you can make your employee feel that, you know, sky's the limit. They've got all this potential, or she could have turned around and said, okay, maybe you're not ready for this yet. Let me do this. Right. And I've seen bosses do that as well. And just by choosing that approach to take the risk on me and I mean it was obviously a minor risk but you know she took the risk she said it's fine you know worst case scenario you mess this up it's okay nothing you know the world's not going to end and uh, it did it really helped boost my confidence for sure
0: amazing and she gave you all that power at 23 years old
1: she did she saw something I didn't clearly but I'm so grateful to her for it
0: amazing and then, so you said there's a theme and there's numerous bosses that have done similar things. So tell me more about those.
1: Yeah. So when I went over to Walmart, I had a boss named Stephanie Hardman and she was over, she's over at McDonald's now leading their HR function. And we went into a, We were going into a meeting. I was going to present employee engagement results to the chief operating officer. My understanding is that she would present it. I'd be there in case he had questions. Again, not very senior in my career. And we're sitting outside his office and she turns to me and she says, you know what, Amia, you've got this. And I, I like stopped. I was like, got what? <laughs> she was like, you have this. She's like, you're going to present this and I'll be there in case you need me. And at this point, I'm obviously so nervous. I barely had any meetings with this individual. We walk in and I presented it. It went extremely well, you know, and she was just, she was literally just sitting there in case I needed her. And again, she trusted me before I trusted myself. And it just, it helped me go into that meeting with full confidence that I could do it. And after that, I mean, I could present in front of anyone at any time and never be nervous again Right, (laughs) because the stakes were so high. I think
0: that's great because, and I'll even just share personally, when I get really nervous and I'm going in front of a big group or I'm going to a big meeting, I use the mantra, you've got this. I don't know where I got it from. Somebody said it one time and I thought, "What a great confidence boosting mantra." And so sometimes I'll I'll feel myself I'm like my palms are sweaty and I feel kind of sick to my stomach cuz I'm getting ready to do, you know, a big speech or I'm I'm getting ready to kick off a big program and I'll just keep telling myself, "Listen, you got this." Like this is not, you know, this is not the last day of your career as we know it, right? It's like we got this, you know.
1: I mean, those are the stories we tell ourselves, right? And when you have a boss that's helping you realize those stories that you tell yourself about your own ability. I mean, that's life-changing.
0: Right. And somebody's validating that to you, which is so powerful. And they're putting that faith in you. Okay. So those are good ones. Keep going. What else do you have?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, let me share when you actually know. So Heather DeBlas over Mm -hmm. at Sobeys, by far one of my favorite bosses, like just a phenomenal, phenomenal leader. You know, when I started with her, we were kind of building... Equity, diversity, and inclusion from the ground up at Sobeys. It was, a, you know, brand new function. It wasn't side of desk. It was an actual team. She gave me full creative power, you know. She said, you know, help me design this from start to finish. I told her I really love strategy. She said, Great, let me get you involved in the strategy, building of the strategy. Said, you know, I really love facilitation. She said, Great. I'm going to put you right in there with facilitation and facilitating sessions. I really love working with women. Great. We're going to build, you know, the first women's employee resource group for Sobies, and you you can lead that work. And so she really said I could design my dream job. She really gave me full bandwidth to do exactly what I wanted to do. And she believed that I could do it again. It was just that trust that I told her I like to do something. I told her I was good at it. And she just trusted me. She said, great, let's do it without making me second guess myself. And just, you know, I think that again, just brings out so much out of an employee where they feel like, you know what, I can go to work every day. I can feel confident. I can feel happy and I can do what I want to do. Right and it's rare. It's rare to find bosses like that. I've been fortunate that I've had you know a few of them, but mm. those I would say are probably the the ones that are the highlights of my career.
0: Excellent. And I just hear this reoccurring theme, like you said, this unwavering trust or people extending the trust before you knew for sure you could do it or before you were proven yet. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I really I think that's important because that's a different flavor to trust. That's not just. I trust you can get the job done, or I, you know what I mean. It's not just I. I know you're not going to you know throw me under the bus. That's a different type of trust. It's almost like I'm going to I'm going to throw you enough rope that I'm you know, and I know you're going to succeed. I'm going to help you swim.
1: No, it's true, and you know what, Christine, as a woman in hijab, I mean, I'm I'm very visibly different, right? And mm-hmm. it's not often. That individuals from marginalized communities find sponsors in their career, especially so early on, right? It's like so many individuals that I know have had to prove themselves time and time and time and time again before they're finally given opportunity. And I would say that, you know, I, I'm fortunate, it's definitely a privilege of mine that I haven't had to experience that multiple times in my career, but. These individuals knew, they knew I was up against something different and they really wanted to make sure I was successful. And just by being there and being so supportive, you know, it helped remove a lot of roadblocks for me, right? They gave right. me that executive access. They gave me the sponsorship. They spoke highly of me behind closed doors and rooms where there was likely no one who looked like me. And that was really powerful as well. What is
0: it like to work for these large organizations and probably not see a lot of people that look like you?
1: You know, I I would say early on in my career, it probably bothered me a little bit more, you know, Mm -hmm. not seeing myself reflected in leadership was certainly a bit of a glass ceiling, like more than a glass ceiling. You just (laughs) couldn't see myself ever getting there, you know, and I wanted to get there. Like I was driven from my first job that I wanted to one day just be a really, you know, senior executive and not seeing that was definitely a flag to me to say, probably not going to get there. Right. That's kind of the message that was being sent to me. I would say as I kind of grew more in myself and in my own confidence and in my own capabilities, I stopped relying on that mindset. I, I, I shifted towards, well, you know what? I'll just be the first. I'll be the first and I'll pave the way for others, right? And I'm not the first. And I'm so thankful now that there are more people who look like me in leadership. And yeah. I'm so happy that that you know that's not going to be hopefully the same experience for others. But, you know, for me, it was, it was a shift to just say, okay, well, I'm going to have to make it through. And again, if I didn't have those bosses, I didn't have those, you know, fantastic leaders. I don't Mm -hmm. think I I would have ever gotten to a point where I said, okay, I'll be the first, right? Like they gave me that confidence truthfully.
0: Right. That's powerful. When you reach those senior executive levels, what are some of the things that you'll advocate for to make sure that people like you coming into an organization feel valued and acknowledged like what what would be some of the things that you can think of given your
1: experience so there's a few challenges that's a kind of a a bit of a you know peel the onion kind of question because there's lots of layers involved so one I think just even that redistribution of power and having individuals who are marginalized in those senior leadership positions already does something without actually having to to act right so that's the first step I think is representation and and That shift of power to individuals. I think for me, and it's something I've always done throughout my career anyway, it's also about giving people opportunity, right? Opening the doors for them, seeing the roadblocks and removing them for individuals, extending the hand, sponsorship. Sponsorship is so huge. Christine, like I, I can't even emphasize how much more powerful it is even than mentorship. Mentorship's great for a personal development piece, but that sponsorship to get people up the corporate ladder is just something else, you know, and we want to pretend it doesn't exist. We want to pretend that it only, you know, people move up just based on merit, but the reality is if people don't know who you are, you're probably not going to get that opportunity, right? So that's a big one as well, right? And then, of course, the mentorship. We've just launched a mentorship program where I am now for Black, Indigenous, and racialized individuals in their career. And more than just career coaching, it's also about that shared experience, like, you know, hearing from leaders how they got through some challenges and I just think that that has been powerful. I'm mentoring, I'm mentoring someone now. And, you know, she hasn't come to me a whole lot with, you know, your typical career questions, but more so of those challenges that she's facing and trying to get through. And, you know, that's, I think that's very enriching as well.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much for letting me pick your brain on that. Yeah, of course. Uh, And so I'm going to ask you one more question. I know you had a child during covid and so now you have a very large family of four children. Tell me a little bit about what it is like to be a woman with such a large family, also trying to navigate a career.
1: Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, add add COVID and kids being home and online schooling and all of that fun stuff and getting home sent home for two weeks at a time. It's been extremely difficult, Christine. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's probably been two of the hardest years of my life. I also did start a new job with another fantastic boss, Nyla Ibrahim. And her support has been just incredible in terms of that flexibility to say, listen, I need to do pick up today for the kids. I'm going to be offline from this time to this time. You know, this kid's got a doctor's appointment. I've got to go and I'll be back. Right. And just I think that recognition of being human, and I think that's something we all need to do for one another right now is just recognize we're all just human and struggling is huge. You know, as a woman as well, I would say for me, my husband and I are really good partners. He's just, you know, he takes on a lot of the load, a lot of the caregiver load. And I was reflecting on that earlier today. And I thought, you know, as a child growing up, my mom played I would say 100% role of a caregiver, right? And my right. kids are growing up very differently. My husband cooks, we share responsibility, we, you know, have to outsource some things and so they actually see us kind of as as split caregivers for them and I think that's helped quite a bit. If, if I didn't have a partner who was so supportive, I don't know that I would have I would have been able to have such a large family and it's something right. we both wanted. So, yeah, I think it's that that partnership has been really important.
0: That's amazing. And I mean, from a to me that's that speaks a lot about just the shifting perception of you know, how we split responsibility, you're able to have this great career. And, you know, like you said, you're in a true partnership. So that's fantastic. And then I also think when you see organizations with again, more moms and dads in the organization, I think it's, it's where you start to see leadership, make those decisions to be flexible and supportive and understand that that's, that's an important part of enabling somebody to be successful right now.
1: Yeah, and I think COVID—I mean, with all of its negativity—the one thing it's done is it's—I mean—it's brought our personal lives into our work lives, right? And we now have integration between the two. Oh yeah, we never had it before, <laughs> right? And now I'm not shy to tell someone I'm sorry I don't—I can't meet with you at that time. I have to do pickup, or I'm sorry I have to do drop-off. Whereas before, I probably would have been a little more hesitant to do that and would have, you know, just said I'm sorry I have a conflict without openly sharing. Exactly why I can't make it at that time, and in meet meetings with senior leaders, and they're on the phone, and we're we're going to go pick up my kid from school, or I have to walk my dog at lunch, or you know, and I think it's changed changed the culture quite a bit in organizations.
0: Excellent, yeah, absolutely. So I'm just going to circle back to one or two more questions on the uh, best boss. So you know, we talked about trust, and I appreciate this added element of flexibility in there. You know, organizations are always asking. Why should they invest in creating best bosses, right? Why, why put dollars and cents against it? And I mean, you know from DEI initiatives, right? Those are all costly initiatives, right? So if you could identify what's the impact on the business, I mean, I know this isn't an easy question, but in your experience, what have you seen as the impact on the business when you have great
1: leadership? Well, definitely we see engagement levels rise, right? And we know Mm -hmm. that engagement leads to productivity and people are more invested in their work. You're able to get a little bit more of that discretionary effort. So, you know, you're paying them nine to five, but if something needs to get done and they're highly engaged, they're going to work a little bit extra to get it done. Right. So that, that I think has a deep dollar value associated with it. We also see less absenteeism, lower turnover. Like those are all things that that we've seen studies that demonstrate having a highly engaged workforce will impact. So you know, they're not necessarily, you're not going to have exact dollar to dollar, but I think when you have a highly engaged workforce with good bosses and good leadership, you're going to see a lot more productivity. And that's, I think the bottom line for a lot of organizations.
0: Excellent. I agree completely. And so my last question for you is, have you ever had a not so great boss? You don't have to name them or shame them, but you know, what was the impact on that, like for you, like what was the impact of their leadership on you and and what were some of the things that uh, you could identify that were not great practices?
1: Yeah. I, You know, I've been fortunate. I only have one boss that I didn't enjoy working for. She just had the complete opposite of my other bosses in terms of lack of flexibility. This individual experienced what I think was hardship early in their career and they didn't extend the olive branch and make it easier on the next person they in fact made it more difficult by you know for example when I would come in 15 minutes late to work because my kid was sick and I had to do drop off and all these sort of things the expectation is I would stay 15 minutes behind right to make Mm. up for those 15 minutes and it was just that micromanagement, and it really took away any motivation I had to do anything above an extra like above and beyond right and right. i was fortunate to recognize that that wasn't a workforce that i wanted to be in and i left very quickly but i know a lot of people don't have the opportunity to leave and go somewhere else and they're stuck in right. these situations for me it really demonstrated for me what i didn't want to do with my teams right and so right. now when i lead i i think about the whole person i think about you know what else they have going on in their lives and People are going to have good days and bad days, and they're going to have things that happen in their personal lives that we have to accommodate for. And it really right. demonstrated to me what I didn't want. Um, right. And so I think it was good. I think it was good for me to go through it because it made me really appreciate the good bosses that I had after. And I think it also made me a stronger leader because I, I'm so careful not to do what was done to me.
0: Oh, I think that's a great answer. And it's I, I hear that a lot. It's the micromanagement. It's, you know, to me... Focusing on how many minutes you're in the office is is just so irrelevant to real productivity and engagement and accomplishment. You know, like we're not in the industrial age where you're, you know, if you're putting parts on a car, for example,
1: then those 15 minutes matter, right? But if you're... Yeah. And I think also just the recognition that people are like, there are times, right? There are times where leaders do need to micromanage more than they want to. Because mm-hmm. individuals simply aren't performing. And that does happen, right? right? But that should be the exception to the rule and not your main. Like that shouldn't be the rule that you apply to everyone. It should be almost a last resort when you have to performance manage someone. Unfortunately, I think leaders do the opposite. They start with the assumption that, you know, employees mm-hmm. can't do it and then they have to, you know, they have to earn their trust. And I think that's just a really negative way to to build a relationship. Very backwards. Excellent. And then if you
0: have any final tips, I mean, I have a fantastic audience of people who are out there trying to be excellent leaders. So share any last words of wisdom or areas of focus that you would encourage people to really think about as they're trying to be their best
1: boss. I think think about the whole person and, you know, we do a lot of this diversity and inclusion work right now and we tell people to bring their full selves to work, but then we don't treat them as a whole person. So for those of us who want to be better leaders, I think we need to think in the context of what else is going on in their lives. What else might they they need support with? What else can I do to to facilitate them actually bringing their best selves to work and, and reaching their potential and also recognizing them, you know, I didn't talk about that today, but recognition is huge. And just, you know, it can be as minor as actually thanking your employees for a job well done, you know, but really giving them that recognition and, and ask them how they want to be recognized, how they prefer to be recognized. And then I, I think even just those two things, if you really focus on those two things, I think you'll have a stronger, more productive team. Excellent. I appreciate it so much. Again, thank you for your time today. Thanks so much,
0: Christine. This was great. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip.